Well, welcome everybody. I, I don't know how you're tuning in. If you're in a family room right now with your whole family around you, maybe you're by yourself, locked in a closet, running from the people in your home. Maybe you're on your phone, your computer, your TV. I'm so glad that you're tuning in because as you know, you don't really need me to say this, but I'm gonna say this. We are living in unprecedented times. You, you know that. In fact, are you tired yet? of hearing that. I was scrolling on social media and, and, and I saw this. I'm tired of being a part of a major historical event. Yeah? yeah. Are, you, are, you, are you here yet? Uh, many of us are already here yet. We're, we're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This historical event, I don't wanna be in a historical event. And then we're, some of us are like, we're taking charge, we're going after this. And, and I know that all of us are in a season right now that we didn't ask for, but we're in it. And I know it's creating pressure. This historical event that you need to know this, that uh, the generations to come, this is gonna be taught to them in history class. And all of us right now are wrestling with this. And, and it's kind of, how does that look like? It wrestles in, in, in our responses. Like, like if, I know when I talk to my kids and if I'm like, I'm just tired of us all being cooped up, that there's this response I'm giving them. And, and, and when they're sitting down at the table doing their homework and I'm like, hey, you're doing your homework. And they look at me and I look at them and there's this, who's going to say something that they shouldn't say? Many of us right now are we're, we're responding to what's going on, and 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 I'm not sure that I'm not sure that we're understanding what you and I need to do. I know this right now. I know right now business owners are struggling with the current situation. Call it that. The idea that money needs to come in and you don't know how it's gonna come in. I know right now that marriages are, are, are seeing things in their relationship that they had avoided and not talked about and now it's right there on the table and it's causing uh, major problems. I know some of us are looking at the news nonstop hovering over every headline and, we're, and this fear and this anxiety is just welling up. Hmm. Your response to what's going on right now is a big deal. This is a moment for you and I. This is a moment that when you look at who's around you and when this ends, whenever it ends, that you and I can actually say, look what we did and that's it, the response. Here's something I've learned in life that I think is crucial and it should plug in right where we're at. I'll remember my challenge. You've got a challenge. I'll remember my challenge. Everyone else will remember my, my response. They'll remember that the, as I'm looking at how I talk to my kids, how I talk to my wife, how, how I talk to you. We'll, we'll remember the, the details of the day by day by day, but those around you will remember your response to it. Think about this. Just walk it out a little bit further into your own life right now. The wounds that you might have, right? The uncertainties. And you and I are constantly looking at other people's responses, at, at our government, at the people around us, and now it's even leaked into our homes, and now we're getting on each other's nerves maybe. I'll remember my challenges in life. Oh, you better believe it. You'll remember yours but everyone else around us 
will remember how we responded. So listen to me closely. You and I have to pay attention to how we're responding. The lesson that you and I need to dwell on right now is, is response. What is your response now and what will it be? As you process that, we as a church have been talking about Jesus for, for several weeks now in a whole series, Who is Jesus? And we've been looking at the different facets of Jesus and what do we have to learn? In fact, if you've missed this, if you're, if you're just tuning in to, to our church for, for the first time, you can go on our website or our app and get caught up. There, there's multiple sermons about who is Jesus, and we've been talking about that. Well, well, now we lean into Jesus and like, Jesus, what do you have to teach us in the midst of our challenges? What do you have to teach us in, 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 in the topic of how to respond. So I can give you some history. Uh, Jesus uh, raised a whole crew uh, around him, uh, what we call them the disciples. He, he actually taught them, instructed them. If you don't know the story of Jesus and his disciples, they went all around the area and, and, and the disciples saw Jesus do miracles, walk on water, uh, uh, straight up heal people, raise people back to life. I mean, he, it was amazing what they witnessed, but it wasn't just the miracles. It, he would teach them and, and bond with them. They were, they were super close. They were beginning to see that Jesus is our savior, our, our, our Messiah. And, and Jesus began to instruct them, hey, hey, there's going to be a time that, that I'm going to leave you, and it's going to be your job, your responsibility to spread all over the world the hope that I'm sharing with you. It's going to be your role. And he began to teach them how to do that. He even sent them out to practice two by two. Hey, go, go work on preaching and talking to other people about who I am. The story of Jesus you might be familiar with, at least the end part. The part that talks about, which is true, that he was arrested and put into an illegal trial, convicted of things that weren't even true. And, and Jesus is eventually killed, put on a cross, dies. His body is placed into a tomb. And three days later, he resurrects back to life. I don't know if you've ever thought about the parts that happen after Jesus resurrects. The Bible details, there's, there's hundreds upon hundreds of witnesses that not only saw Jesus, but dialogued with Jesus after he came back to life. And, and it's in those moments that you and I, I mean, just think about, there's so much to learn there. Can you imagine being Jesus? Jesus who's like, I taught this specific crew. I wonder what they're doing now. I wonder what they're opening up to other people. See, as Jesus would have been processing that, there would have been wounds. So here's what I wanna take you to. I wanna take you to what's called the epilogue. If you don't know what an epilogue is, I mean, it's very, very simple. Uh, it's the chapter at the end of a story to reveal the fate of the characters. I can take you to a place in the Bible known as John. If, if you open up your Bible and you start turning to the right, you'll find a place called John, the Gospel of John. It's a telling of the life of Jesus. And if you go to the end, though often many of the Bibles even say this, you go to the epilogue. And in the epilogue, we have this moment that will teach you and I exactly how to respond. Let me read it to you. I want to read it to you. Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. 
We'll come too, they all said. Now, now if you don't know who Peter is, I, just Peter's the guy who denied Jesus. Like he literally said, I don't know who Jesus is, ran from Jesus, didn't do what Jesus wanted. At the end, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I mean, I'm going fishing. I'm not going to, uh, I'm not gonna go spread the news about Jesus. I'm going fishing. Well, we'll come too, they all said. So they went out in the boat, but they caught nothing all night. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who he, who he was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they replied. Well, then he said, throw out your net on the right-hand side of the boat, and, and you'll get some. Okay, okay. So, so they did. <clears throat> wow. And they couldn't haul in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then the disciple Jesus loved, said to Peter, it's the Lord. You see, they, didn't, they hadn't made the connection yet. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work, jumped into the water, and headed to shore. The other stayed with the boat and pulled the loaded net to the shore, for they were only about 100 yards from the shore. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. I'll refer to this later. They found breakfast waiting for them, fish cooking over a charcoal fire and some bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus said. So Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There were 153 large fish, and yet the net hadn't torn. Now come and have some breakfast, Jesus said. None of the disciples dared to ask him, who, who are you? They, they knew it was the Lord. And then, yes, I've highlighted, this is what we wanted to get to. Then Jesus served them the bread and the fish. I don't know if anyone's ever shared this with you. I've tried to share it with the church often that Peter, who, Simon Peter, that one of the main characters of what I just read to you, he was a guy who had bragged about how much he loved Jesus. He had literally in front of other people said, hey, I, no one loves Jesus more than I do. And again, if you know the story, there was a moment where, where he denies even knowing Jesus when he's feeling some pressure that he could get arrested too. He's like, yeah, I don't even know the guy. I don't even know the guy. I don't even know the guy. And if you don't know this, Jesus overheard that whole denial. But now, after being betrayed, after seeing his crew not doing what he instructed them to do, these are, these are the people who had seen him do the miraculous. They knew what was true, and he finds them fishing. I wonder, I wonder if Jesus was disappointed. I think he was. I don't think I have to infer too much that in this moment that, that Jesus was disappointed. And it's in this moment, this is one of the most profound moments, this is one of my favorite places in the Bible, that you find Jesus, you find Jesus making a meal for them. In that culture, to make a meal for someone who had broken your heart, who had disappointed you, was an act of let's get forgiveness to happen here. Let's restore this relationship. And Jesus is the one starting it. Here's the lesson for us. Jesus didn't let his disappointment determine his response. Remember, we're talking about 
how to respond in the midst of our discouragement right now, our disappointment about what's going on. In this, in this uncertain times, we're talking about how do you and I respond? Well, let's lean what Jesus teaches here. He didn't let his disappointment determine the response. That's a big deal. In fact, let me talk to the marriages right now. What is your disappointment done to your response? If you're a student and you're looking at, do I get prom? Do I not? What's my senior year graduation time look like? My favorite sports were canceled. If you're a business owner going, I don't know if what I started is actually going to survive. What are you doing with your disappointment? Because we are living in a time that is crying out to us to respond to our disappointment in the best of ways. Because what will be remembered, the legacy you and I leave, is rooted in our response. And we find Jesus, I think, discouraged and disappointed in some facet. And we find him at the shore looking out at where his disciples are. Notice he didn't say, hey, they're not where I am. No, he went and found them where they were. Do you ever catch that? That Jesus consistently, constantly goes after you and I and finds us where we are? Over and over throughout the Bible, you'll find Jesus uh, with, with a, a woman who's been thrown in. They're, they're going to try to kill the woman, and he meets her where she's at. Another moment, he goes to a well and meets people there at the well where they're at. How he calls all of his disciples, he goes to where they are. Do you see a profound lesson in the midst of this? Here's the lesson. Here's our response. We need to meet people where they are. Right now, you and I are watching news clip after oh, just over and over. We're getting feeds like crazy on our phones. Come on. And we're starting to, and this is dangerous, take the posture that our response should be, you better meet me where I'm at right now. Whew. I don't think that's the response that has the greatest impact. What if you and I, in the midst of our disappointment and discouragement, in the midst of looking at others, maybe not leading perfectly, whether it be in our homes or, or even outside of our homes, what if we were to say, I need to meet people where they are. That's the response I bring. This is very personal to us. I was sharing a little bit with our oldest son, Hayden, about what I was gonna share with you. And he and I both know a story about him that would help you and I understand this. And I said, Hayden, do you, do you want me to share that? Before I was able to even get all the words out, he's like, yes, yes, I want you to share it. Hayden, our oldest, um, one of his greatest struggles, he's 16 now, has been the school environment. Uh, when Hayden was really young, around three, uh, we noticed and became very aware of, of a speech delay he didn't have the vocabulary that they say uh, you know, a three-year-old should have. So we, at the time we were living in Kansas and, and we began to get help and, and we began to help him develop a, a better vocabulary, but we began to notice that this was really hindering him at school as he would go grade to grade. Uh, 
because he had the speech delay, uh, he was, he was in, in essence nonverbal. So if he wanted your attention, he, he didn't say, hey, hello, hey, hey. No, no, he would push. This little kid would, would go up. If he wanted your attention, he'd push you. Or if he was mad at you, he'd push you. Or, or if he wanted any kind of attention, there was a push or, or a hit. And it just was nonverbal. And, and the problem with this was uh, he began to get, he got branded at school as, as the bad kid. Louise's parents knew his heart. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to excuse behavior at all. You, you shouldn't push people. <laughs> but he began to get branded in grade after grade after grade. He'd get blamed for things that he didn't do because he was the kid that sometimes pushed. Uh, in fact, our son, through much of his elementary years, would find himself in in-school suspension. People didn't want to deal with what was going on. Uh, the principal and I uh, had each other uh, on, on regular text and phone call uh, interaction. And, uh, and it, what we noticed in our son is he was losing any ounce of self-confidence. Sorry. Um, watching our young son not see his value was wrecking him. It was wrecking us and we were feeling lost, discouraged, disappointed. It, it hit the worst when he was in sixth grade. He was so far behind academically, but the way the system works is you, they keep pushing you forward whether you pass. And, kept, and he, sixth grade was just extremely difficult for him. He was well behind in his schoolwork. He was failing so much, and it was, he began to beg not to have to go to school, and we were wrecked. He finished his sixth grade year, and we as a family decided we've got to do something different. We need help. I don't know if you've ever been there as a parent, or, or maybe just a married person, maybe a single person. You're like, I need someone. I need someone to help. I need someone to meet me where I'm at, and you begin to cry out and begin what to do, and you're like, you wrestle with this. And so we began to look, and we heard about a particular school that had something called the Learning Center. I, frankly, I had no idea what the Learning Center was. So we went, and we checked it out, and we met with a group of people there and said, hey, uh, you know, our son is a, he's a great young man. He's really far behind in his schoolwork. And we begin to talk and they say, well, here's what we'd like to do. We'd, we'd love for your son to be a part of our school. We, we would love for him to actually, not, we're not concerned about where he is right now, but, but who he can be. Oh, that's like, it's like music to our ears, who he can be, yes. And they began to tell us they believed he could be a, a, a young man who could graduate with his class. And, and they began to cast vision. We're like, this is amazing. You, so the first year, uh, he spent most of his time in the learning center, not in classes with his classmates. But then the next year, he had a few more class, classes with his classmates. Uh, he's a kid that went from uh, not caring at all about any kind of activity with others to where all of a sudden he came home one day and said, Mom and Dad, I'm going to play football. <laughs> We're like, what? So he started playing football. The next year, he 
had fewer classes in the learning center, more with his classmates. And now I can tell you that our sophomore son spends the day with his classmates in those classes. His best parts of school are typically about hanging out with friends. He's not mocked for any kind of speech delay. Our son is thriving. And it wasn't because he immediately changed or, it's because people met him where he was. The difference you wanna see in the midst of this uncertainty, I'm telling you, it's not everyone coming to you, it's where you would say, maybe I'm gonna meet my family where they are, my spouse where they are. This is riddled all throughout the Bible. Jesus said, I want to be your friend in this. This, Let me me show you. Jesus said this. I no longer call you slaves because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Look, look, now you are my friends. Since I've told you everything the Father told me, I I want you to see it. Jesus Jesus doesn't just want to be this divine almighty in our life. There's a friendship there. And and, and to be that friend in, in someone's life, for you and I to meet someone where they're at, you and I have to overcome a major struggle. Here's the struggle, overcoming our disappointment. This is it. This is where you and I are right now. To have the right response, we have to overcome our disappointment. It could be as big as just being disappointed in the fact that there's a virus going around. It's okay to be disappointed in that. And the biggest struggle when someone betrays you, when, when when your life betrays you, when your circumstances betray you, when you find yourself going, I don't like this or I am afraid, the struggle is overcoming our disappointment. And so many of us, because we don't know how to overcome our disappointment, we just sit in our disappointment. That's not our response. Let's rise above that. So this culture, that Jesus created, of meeting people where they are at, getting involved in people's lives so that we meet them where they're at so they can know who Jesus is and in the process overcome our disappointment. Let me me fast forward in the Bible and look what one writer wrote. Even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. When I was with the Jews, I, well shoot, I lived like a Jew to bring the Jews to Christ. When I was with those who follow the Jewish law, I too lived under the law. Even though I am not subject to the law, I did this so I could bring to Christ those who are under the law. When I am with the Gentiles, who do not follow the Jewish law, I too live apart from that law so I can bring them to Christ, but I do not ignore the law of God, I obey the law of Christ. When when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness, for I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone, doing everything I can to save some. I do everything to spread the good news and share in its blessing. If you didn't get it, let me help you. Over and over and over, he's like, you know what I'm going to do with my life? I'm going to meet people where they're at. I'm gonna meet people where they're at, no matter if my life's going great. And and the guy that wrote this was going through tons of just bad. I'm gonna meet people where they're at. I'm gonna meet people where they're at. I'm gonna get involved in their lives because it matters that they know who Jesus is. We stand at a moment right now where your response means everything. 
And so in the midst of uncertainty and complicated situations, I thought we should, we should extract from a, from a leader that most of us are familiar with. Martin Luther King Jr. The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Where do you stand right now? We are definitely in a season of challenge. And the lesson that you and I have right now is how are we going to respond? You can't change what has happened, but you can look at your response and say, I'm going to I'm going to meet people where they're at. Listen, maybe it's a simple text to as many people as you can, letting them know that, that you see them. Maybe it's you've got neighbors. Maybe you live in an apartment complex or, or you live around where you can actually, you can actually help neighbors. If, if they can't get out and about, you can do grocery runs for them. There are many moments that if you will pay attention and not be consumed with your disappointment and discouragement and say, I'm going to do something here. But maybe it's even closer to home where you've got someone in your home right now who has hurt you. Maybe you meet them where they're at and say, can we talk about this? Maybe it's where you choose to forgive. Oh, is that not one of the most difficult things in life because you have to overcome your disappointment? What if this is a season where you and I start to forgive those who have hurt us? I challenge you to take this season where our rhythms and routines have changed and respond the way Jesus did. Meet people where they are at. Let me pray for us, God. In the mighty name of Jesus, I ask, Lord, that you would get into our homes and, and when we're driving and when we're doing whatever we're doing, God, and would you remind us and prompt us that we can overcome our disappointment and that you are with us. You have given us a power and authority, God. Lord, help us to remember that. But Lord, would you bring people to mind? Help us to meet others where they are, as close as our own kids, our roommates. But Lord, if we need to forgive, help us to forgive. Help us to be a people who love like you loved. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.